I like we we're just sharing why, why we're here because that really is it. We're all trying to just fellowship, learn about the kingdom of God, and take that kingdom message out to where you live, to where you go to church, whatever your, where your friends, whatever it is. And so we've been working on that now. This is our 11th week now of going over the kingdom. And we've been working on, starting out with, we're trying to explain the kingdom definition. So I know I got a, a number of new people that, that wouldn't know it, but let's see how everybody else is doing, okay? Start out, can we, what is the definition of the kingdom, the biblical definition of kingdom? A people willingly surrender to the reign of God and actively participating in an intimate partnership with him. It was like 20-part harmony there. Um, a people willingly surrendered to the reign of God. That's a, a people. We qualify, a people. Willingly surrendered to the reign of God. Well, that's the big question that follows. That are we surrendered. And then those who are surrendered, then the life that God has in the Bible that we see that he's trying to develop with us is a life that is that is an actively participates in an intimate partnership with him. I know we've, you probably have all heard this a thousand times, but we're not talking about a religion. We're talking about a relationship. I know you've heard it, and you probably have used it many times yourself. But honestly, I mean honestly, when we talk about that, that relationship, that's really what the Bible talks about, that relationship. Actively participating in an intimate partnership with a king. And who is the king? And who is Jesus? God. He's God. And so we're actively participating in an intimate partnership with the God of creation, the God of the cross, the God of the resurrection, the God who is the Holy Spirit, the God who is building that kingdom that now is giving us our the Holy Spirit to have his throne, as we've looked at, and, and build that throne inside of us, his, his people, that people who willingly surrenders to him. It's an amazing concept of what God is doing in that plan. We were just talking, we, we had a whole bunch of us get together, and we always like to sit around and talk and question everything else. And, and, and I was just asking them about, you know, we were looking at what you can learn about God from creation. And we know from Romans 1, the girls, I'll get to you if they can't answer, but Romans 1 is going to tell us what can we learn about God from creation. Without looking, anybody know off the top of your head? His invisible attributes. His, now, what, what do you learn about him, though? There's three facets of God. His invisible attributes, his... Okay, his divine nature. There's one more. Eternal power. Eternal power. Girls, got it. His eternal power. Those three things we can learn about God through his creation. We don't spend enough time doing that. We honestly don't. Um, there's, God is so magnificent. It's so far beyond our ability to think. And we really do need to put that time in. We live in it. We walk around. And he created it to show us who he is. Now, but there's something we can't see about God in his creation. Now, I'm going to ask the girls to see how much they're paying attention. What can't we see in creation about God? His plan. His plan. And where do we see that at? In the Bible. And we learn all about the plan of God, why we're here, what he's doing, what it's all about, and everything else from his written word. Now, that's really important because, you see, I've, I've seen so many people do this. They're raised in a Christian family. 
really fine. They go out to college somewhere, and about the second year, they're tubing out, and they don't want anything to do with God. You know why that is? It's not because they didn't have good parents. But their view of God was so small that the idiots at college could take it away from them. Because they didn't know that much about God. But see, if you can learn about God, which would be our what we're doing all the time, and so we learn so much about God, how infinite he is, the magnitude of who he is through this creation, looking around at it, as well as his Bible. But we, but we really do, when you're driving around, when you're walking around, when you're looking around, these girls got a challenge this week they have to do, and that should really be a challenge to every one of us. What they're doing this week, they have to find something about one of those three attributes about God and bring it back to our little group next week. And then what did you see? What did you learn? What did you learn about God this week through his creation? That should be an every single week thing that we do as humans. Because here's the big deal. And you're going to see this come out tonight. The kingdom. We're talking all about the kingdom here. Learning all about it. But you know what? The kingdom will never be greater than the king. Never be greater than that king. So... If your God, if your king is really not that big, neither will your response to the kingdom be. Because the kingdom will never be greater than your view of God. So it's really important that we grow that. And you're going to see it as we get going along here. Now, if you take out your papers, how to live in the kingdom of God's beloved son. Okay, why we're doing this is because we were looking at what salvation is. And what salvation is, is Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So now we're in that. If you are... If you've surrendered to God, to his reign, you're a Christian, and you are you now have been transferred into this the kingdom of his beloved son. Now tell me what again, without using the word kingdom, what have we been transferred into? People willingly surrendering to the reign of God and Yes, that that actively that active participation and intimate partnership with him. Do you see a problem with this? We were transferred, rescued from the domain of darkness. That word domain means what? No, that's the freedom. That's the, that's the world of free will. That's what that is. That is a world of freedom to make a choice. But what is the darkness? Blind ignorance is what that Greek word means. Blind ignorance. You see a problem here? You got the freedom to make your own choices, but you're blindly ignorant. That's kind of like two strikes and three and then seven tenths against you when you're born. That's the world you live in. So now get transferred, like he says. Now we're going to, and it really is just like this. He takes you out of that world to another world, removes you and takes you over to the kingdom of his beloved son, takes you over to that intimate partnership with him. Well, now you're blindly ignorant. That's what you were. You lived in that world. You functioned in that world. You were born in that world. You were educated in that world. You did everything in that world. That was your world. And now you're stepping into a relationship, an intimate partnership with the God of the universe. You think you're qualified for that one? <laughs> you see a problem here? 
We have no idea what that world looks like. We have no idea what that kind of relationship looks like. Everybody that's married here, okay? I know you're going to agree with me on this one. If you're married, you realize put two, what I'm going to call transgressor sinners together in the same room, and you put them together for 20 years, what's going to come out of that relationship? That's exactly right. Five kids who are really messed up. <laughs> That's exactly right. Five kids that are really messed up. Good, I got to say that. I'm so glad. <laughs> now, see, the problem is you got two people coming into a relationship that is an intimate partnership. And it's not easy. Is there any married person here who says marriage is a piece of cake? <laughs> You'll never see anybody raise their hand in that ever. It takes work. It takes work. Why in the world would we think it's easier for me to get along with a and function and know how to work in, a, in the world of another transgressor sinner that's just like me and step into the world where I'm going to have an intimate partnership with the God, the most holy being in the universe, and just slide right into that and everything's peachy. Are we nuts or what? We don't know that world. We do not know that world. So there, guess what? He gave us a whole book that's going to reveal so much about how this works. What it's all like, what it's about, and how it works, and what works, and what doesn't. And that's why we need a Bible. Because I can look at creation and learn all about God, but I'm going to sure miss a whole lot of this. And I need to understand it. So now, we're on taking going through a paper, and what this paper is, is we're learning how to relate and live in this kingdom of God's beloved son in that intimate partnership with him. And so we've been looking at things and we're down here to number what are we on? Six. 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 Exactly right. What's six about? Praying. 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 So we step into the, the world of God's kingdom and how do we pray? How do we do this? Um, about see I'm 68 and I think I was 20 about 28. Yeah, I think I was about 28. And there's a Santa Ana River down in Riverside. There's a river bottom down there. And there's a Santa Ana Park that's over there. And it's a really neat park. Caleb and I, get, we, we met down there for a few years. We got to meet down there. We got in college. And we'd go down there. And ah, it was just beautiful. And we'd sit down there. I would go down when I, when I, when my kids were young. And I, they, you know, they, they didn't like getting up early. So it was perfect. I could go down. Go down there at the crack of dawn, go down to the river, me, my Bible, and take a little chair with me and sit with God for hours. And get back home and wake everybody up. Because <laughs> they were still sleeping in. So I'd go down there and sit and spend time with God. It was just the most incredible thing. So one day, I'm down there reading, and I come, I'm reading through Isaiah, and I come across this verse. Turn it with me to Isaiah 29. So I'm reading Isaiah 29. And I come into this verse. So the Lord's talking to about Israel. No ten northern tribes. And he says this one. Look at verse 13. Then the Lord said, Because this people draws near with their words and honors me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Because they talk a good they talk a good religious thing, you know. They can talk it up good, but 
They've removed their hearts way away from me. And look what he says. And their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Now, in a lot of your Bibles, it's going to say by tra- it's a tradition taught by men. It's going to say, because that's what it is. What is it that they learned from just, what is rote? Memorizing, just seeing people go through, you, you see people going through it and you learn it. So I'm reading it. My reverence? God, is that possible that my reverence for you was learned by watching other people? Ooh, that kind of really hit me. So now I sat there. I didn't go any farther. I sat there and said, oh my goodness, God, seriously. We could do that to you? And I thought, okay, now what else, what do, what else could I just learn by only watching other people? The first thing that jumped out to me, prayer. How did you guys learn how to pray? How to pray. I know how you learned how to pray. By watching the other people. Because we all do it exactly the same. <laughs> we do it just, just we can't vary from that. It's like you did it. What did they just say? What did, what did they do? I'm in a prayer meeting one time. Got about 10 of us in there. We're all sitting around getting ready to pray. We're just getting ready. We're talking. Now it's getting serious. We're going to get down to pray. So we're all getting ready to pray. We're all sitting in chairs. And all of a sudden, one guy gets off his chairs and he goes. So we were, all of us were sitting around going, anyway, what's he doing down here? He's showing us up. He's showing us up because we're still sitting in chairs. And you can watch us. Everybody's sitting around going, what do we do? What do we do? We're terrible. We learned how to pray by rote. It hit me so hard. So I go this study. It just caught me that I was going to spend a whole next year and just read through the Bible, read everything I could find on prayer, read every book, every article. And I was going to read right through the Bible in one year. And I wanted to just completely devote learning to the to learning prayer. Well, that was foolish of me. To think I could do that in a year. Five years later, I'm still in that journey. <laughs> I was still on that thing. And I'm still reading everything. I get my hands on. Oh, wow. I didn't realize this was so big. But it is that big. It is who we are. It is our life. And there's probably nothing that manifests uh, who we are as Christians more than our prayer life does. So. It needs to be, we need to learn how to pray in God's kingdom way. So that's what tonight is. So, can I get a volunteer to read number six? All right. Take it away, Hannah. Scream loud. Shout. How do you pray without ceasing and still think about the kingdom of God all the time as Matthew 6.33 teaches? Obviously, these two concepts must merge into one. Praying through what you learn and knowing about the kingdom is firm according to your God. Praying what you learn and know about the kingdom of God. Just praying according to the will of God. Okay, that's that's my statement. Now, for those who haven't been here yet, you realize what I'm doing now is I'm going hunting. Okay, I'm going hunting. We have all these verses up here. And we're going to see which ones are going to be in over here in the brain that really are in there. On this particular one, there are four verses up here that we should be able to come out and bring into there, and they're all about prayer. Anybody see one? Okay, what's it say? Do you know? Oh, look at this. Now, see here, right here, what I'm doing right now? First Thessalonians 5.17. Guess what we just got to look at? 
Sophie's brain. We just got to look at her default mode network, the heart of Sophie. We got to look at it because it's tucked right in there. That verse is in her. She could just pull it right out, just like that, and say it and express it, because that's in there. That's who she is. That's who she is. Okay, I got three more. First John 5, 14, 15. Oh, now what's that say? Okay, there it's go. Now we're getting a little more out of it here, okay? Somebody read it then. If you guys, I want you all to catch it. Turn to your Bibles to 1 John 5, 14. Got a volunteer to read it? I can read it. Nice and loud. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his, or to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked do you believe what that verse just said? Now, what did that verse just say about about prayer? What did it just say? Do you believe we that? We didn't hear her. If you ask anything according to his will, and then all it says, one little caveat, it throws in there too, and know that he's heard you. There's your faith coming in this thing. Then what is it that he says? Know that you have the request he asked of you. First priority in praying is what? What is it? Praying according to his will. You know, that's a toughie. That is really tough. Because you know the the natural order of things with us who have come out of the domain of darkness is? You know, you know what the natural order when we come out of the domain of darkness of how we would pray? What is it? According to our will. That's That's what it is. We, we, it's the most natural thing in the world to be asking about, what do I want? What do I need? What do I want about me? Let's make it all about me. And when we get transferred over to the kingdom of his beloved son, life changes. Because see, now prayer is all about what? His will. That makes a lot of sense, too. That makes a whole lot of sense. Because if... If God gave us everything we asked, how many of you saw Bruce Almighty? Yeah. A lot of people would go, no, you can't see that. But you remember the time he's sitting at the computer trying to answer all the prayers? All these people are coming in and he's going, trying to answer all this stuff, and he's just going, and what's he finally do? What's he finally do? No, and it's yes to everybody, and the world starts falling apart. <laughs> I love that. That's because we just want everything for ourselves. That's not what we do. But he says here, praying in his kingdom is all praying about his will. Okay, we've got two more verses. Two more verses. Matthew 6, 10. Matthew 6, 10. What's it say? Your will be, your kingdom come, your will be done. Matthew 6, 10. Ooh. Okay. How important is the will of God? We were just talking about it. How important is the will of God in prayer? Kind of everything, isn't it? <laughs> kind of top of the line right there. Well, when will his will be activated and come? Okay, tell me that in a different way. When what? When we surrender to him and partner up with him. You hear that? When we surrender to his reign and we actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. See, when the kingdom is activated, when the kingdom comes, when the kingdom is there, then he says... What? His will is done. His will is done. You ever sit around and ever, ever try to figure out what is the will of God on something? Sure you have. Well, I'll do that. Ever flip a coin? 
But disciples did. <laughs> they did that right off the bat. Picking Matthias, because he plays Judas. Well, we need some coins here. Anybody got any? <laughs> well, he was a tax collector. He had them all. Well, no, we're kind of broke. But anyway, they had to flip some coins and figure it out. But we can get so goofy on how we determine what the will of God is. Get so goofy on that. But what is the will of God? It's all wrapped up where? In our intimate partnership with him and our surrender to his ring. That's where we're going to learn and see and understand. Now, another verse that I put up here, it doesn't going to belong in our prayer, but it says so much of the same thing about the will of God. Anybody know what it is? Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Whoa, look at this. Romans 12, 2. What is it about that verse about the will of God? Everybody know? Can you say the verse? Do not conform to this world, but Do be not transformed conform. by the renewal of your mind. You may by test by testing. Prove, yeah. yeah you, you may discern it. what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There you go. Not to be conformed to this world. Because, see, that world is the domain of darkness. But be transformed, metamorphosized, be changed into a bit different person. By the renewing of your mind, changing the way you think. And what's that going to be all about? So that you can understand do it, the will of God. So you can know it. See how these are interconnected so much? That's the only way we're going to do it. It's just not like, flip my coin and I got it. No, 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 no. He's made it very obvious. In his kingdom world, ruled world, this is how it works. Okay, so we got three. Fourth one. Oh, what's that one say? something about praying earnestly. <laughs> okay. Excellent. It's about praying earnestly. Let's open that one up then. Let's get to that one and look and see what it is. Colossians 4.2. Okay, read it again real loud. Continue earnestly in prayer, being diligent in it with thanksgiving. Be diligent in it, continue in it, be devoted to it, another term, in prayer with thanksgiving. You see where we got an issue, a little problem here. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of God. What did this just say? Earnestly pray. Earnestly pray all the time. Oh, and then we got, what else we got over here? We've got First Thessalonians 5, 7, what, 17, what's that say? Oh, don't stop. Oh, man. You see a little problem here? I'm supposed to be thinking about the kingdom of God all the time, devoted to it. I've got to be, i got to seek it more than I eat, what I drink, what I wear. I have to make that the biggest priority in my life. It's got to be first. I've got to do that. I've got to learn more about it. In fact, it, the word is, the language is so strong, i got to crave that. And yet, though, he says, I want you to pray all the time. Don't stop. Well, then, does God not know what he's talking about? <laughs> How do I do that and do that? How do you do it? Look at our paper again. Look at our paper. Number six. Obviously, you see down here, these two concepts must merge into one. Obviously, they must merge into one. Praying through what you learn and know about the kingdom is praying according to the will of God. You see, when as you learn about the kingdom, you're seeking it. You want to know it. It gets merged into your praying all the time. And when it does that, guess what now is going to happen? 
then you're going to be praying about the will of God. Interesting. And when you pray according to the will of God, what happens? He hears, he hears what we ask. and you have what you ask. And you have what you're asking. Now, once again, last time, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because, man, that is an amazing statement God just made. Well, here's what we're going to do today. We wanna, we're trying to put all this stuff into practice. So what we're going to do, we're going to do prayer tonight, okay? And I'm just going to have everybody, don't get up yet. You're just going to join in, in a team of two, three, four. You know, try to keep it down smaller. Don't don't all of you go and jump in one spot over there and leave me sitting over by myself. Um, break it up, okay? Break it up. You know, one, two, three, four, something like that. People in this group. And here's what you're going to do. Start with number one. Go through number one. And one of the things we're trying to do with each with us, as Derek was sharing, is we want to be a part of each other's life. So you're going to sit down and all you're going to do is take those two verses because it isn't just about about one of those verses. It isn't just about Romans 12, 2, transforming the way you think because in this kingdom of God's beloved son, there's something else he adds to that. What is it? And James tells us, you got to do it. you got to do it. So, So we got putting this stuff into our word and into our minds, thinking about it, transforming us, renewing us to be more like what God wants us to be, and then do it according to the scriptures. You're going to start with number one. And if you're in a partnership of two there, a little team of two, the two of you, go through it, talk about it, how are we doing? I'm going to pray for you, you're going to pray for me. And then you pray. And guess what you're praying about? The will of God. This is what he wants. This is what he wants in your life. Imagine that. Then you get done with that, you go to number two. What's number two all about? It's all about your purpose. We're looking at Luke 19. And what is the purpose that we see in Luke 19? What is it all about? The kingdom of God. Surrendering to that rule and then helping others. That's what that shows us, helping others come into that relationship. So now, you're going to do the same thing. Share with one another, the three of you, four of you, whatever it is. However your groups break up, I don't care. The smaller though, the more likely you're going to be praying. Then you talk about each other, what, how you're going to do this, and then you pray for that other person, for another person in about that very thing. Then you move to three. Then you move to four. Then you move to five. And when you've gotten done with five, guess what you just did? Number six. You just accomplished number six. Take your paper real quick, and we'll have you write down the verses, because that's what we've been doing. The first one, number one. What verses are on number one? There's two of them. Romans 12, 2. James 1. 22 through 25. Okay, that's on the first one. Second one. What's the second one? Luke 19. Luke 19. The whole parable, the, the parable part of Luke 19. Okay, so that's that's the second one. Third one. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 is on the third one. Okay, and, and these go right with 
the paragraph that's written there. Okay, number four. Mike, sorry, I just seen the Matthew. Matthew, yes, Matthew 6, 33. Okay, number four. What's on number four? Colossians 3, 23. and? John 6, 27. 6, 27. A little dark out here. Number five. What do we got on there? James 4, 4. James 4, 4. Exactly. What else we got on there? Ephesians 5, what? 16 and 18 through 18. What else we got? That's all I got. Good. Good. At least you're not cheap. We didn't hear that. Okay, this is number five. Okay, so we got we got uh, Ephesians five sixteen through eighteen, and James four four. Okay, and then the last one six. That's on the board. <laughs> and what else we got? All those right there. Yes. So then we'll build another one next week. What does seven have, Grandpa? What's that? Seven? Seven is going to be a fun one. It's going to be really, this is going to flow into seven quite a bit. And we'll just kind of touch base on prayer again and then move into number seven, okay?